Media family, Vladimir Proknivsky here, and welcome to episode number 23 of the Media Podcast, where I serve our Ukraine Media family with weekly interviews from highly creative people. Today's guest is Joe Clay. Joe is the founder of Workbench.tv and a very popular YouTube channel that generated well over 24,000 subscribers and almost 1 million views in less than two years. Wow, very impressive stuff. Joe, welcome to the show, and thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Joe, before we start talking about your journey as a creative, tell us a little about your personal life. Well, uh, I'm a, I've been married for like a decade now, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that's pretty good. I have two kids. They're three and one. So that's kind of keeping most of my time busy. I try to do a lot of little side projects, but obviously that's uh, that's kind of on the back burner sometimes. You know, it's interesting. I have two kids as well, and I learned that when you, you know, you think when I was younger, I always I had so much free time. But I wasn't, uh, I guess, not uh, taking advantage of all that free time. But once I had kids, my free time, I, I get so much more efficient. What about you? Did it help you become yeah, more efficient? It, oh, definitely. Yeah. Uh, I, I feel like because you have that, like, it's kind of like when you put some bounds on something that you're working on or whatever, where like you're in this little box that you find like the best way to kind of work within that. So I've kind of done that. I think anyway. You know, it's so true because like I used to work for a company in Florida, actually not too far from you in Vero Beach, Florida. Oh, yeah. uh, and I thought, you know, I was like, man, if I if I had like one day to work on stuff, I'd get so much accomplished. And so I had to travel to Vero Beach, Florida, like five days out of the month. It was my mm -hmm. arrangement. I worked from home most of the time, but then I had to travel there for five days. Okay. And so during those five days, I was like, man, I'm going to get so much work accomplished. No kids around me, you know, just be in a hotel room. And you know what? I wasted it all. And <laughs> and I came to a conclusion that, you know, when you have very little time to work with, sometimes it's better because you become more efficient. So anyway, that's yeah. that's what Definitely. I learned. Now, <laughs> I'm curious to find out how did you get started in After Effects, man? Walk me through it. Okay, so pretty much I, I started off like college and high school and all that stuff. I was kind of like just a traditional fine artist. So like drawing and not not so much painting, but mostly like drawing. And uh, I was in the class. It was called like electronic media. And I it was kind of something that was a part of my degree because I have a BFA. And so I had to do like certain different types of courses and whatever. And that just seemed to be one that was like interesting to me and it fit. And I'd already been working on like Photoshop and stuff like that just to support my 2D stuff. And uh, for some reason, we were like looking at After Effects and it was only really like a one day intro on it just so that people can get an idea because it was really just a basic course. And the professor's like, this uh, this is After Effects, you know, and it's basically Photoshop that you can make things move in. And I was like, oh, okay. So then I don't know, just I took off from there. Like I, I was like really wanted to know more about it, and uh, just started exploring different things. At that time, there wasn't really a lot of tutorials around. It was like just basically like Creative Cow, and that was pretty much it. So uh, like Aaron Rabinowitz became like my god, and you know, so I like <laughs> just watched like everything he put out, and then just over time, like other people started putting things out. And uh, that's kind of what led to Workbench in a way. Like I, I initially was like, all right, there's not much of a resource out here for people. So I kind of want to build something that, you know, like to help people like I didn't really have so much help for. And uh, just over time and not being able to get to it or whatever, that's kind of what ended up being like the more advanced tutorials that I wanted to make. Because then, you know, Video Copilot came out, Grayscale Gorilla, you know, just all, like motion works, all of these stuff like to get people like started and going. And then I was like, all right, well there's that, that's pretty much been done. So maybe, you know, I can make, you know, something off of the, like the more advanced end of stuff that I wanted to figure out, but never really knew how to do on my own. Where did the name workbench come from by the way? Uh, well, okay. So I used to work in this kind of collective that we had called garage 
And at the time I was doing that, I was like trying to see if the people that I worked with would want to work on it. And that's, that's kind of where Sev came in. And uh, so I was like, you know, workbench kind of goes in your garage so it could just kind of fit. And how long have you been doing YouTube videos now? I think it was 2015. It was like, I think in January, like I started off, like it was kind of like a new year's resolution kind of deal. But you know, it was like, and I, and I've always started all these projects and just like never would finish things. But that for some reason, just having that like weekly deadline of something, mm-hmm. make sure that I get it done. Now you started on Vimeo originally, right? Was that mm-hmm. where you went first? Why, why did you switch to YouTube? Uh, well for me, Vimeo felt more like a place that like polished work goes on, I mm-hmm. guess. And I, and I felt like YouTube was very much into like tutorials and stuff like that. And just like, I, I don't know, it just felt like people go there for more informational stuff versus wanting to see like end products on Vimeo. So I don't know, it just made sense to make the switch and then it's easier to monetize and stuff like that on YouTube versus Vimeo, of course. So right. that, that was also helpful. <laughs> now I'm curious to find out cause I know you're, you're on YouTube, but you also have your own company and do a lot of stuff outside of YouTube. So I'm curious to find out what is your one painful personal failure as an artist? Man, personal failure. It could be with a client or it could be uh, just, uh, I guess, uh, an experience where you learned a lot. Um, okay, well, it's kind of, uh, there was a project I had that with somebody that just kind of threw up a bunch of red flags on me. And uh, it was Seven and I both actually ended up in this thing. And we took this project and it just it became like, oh, we, we have like a week to get this thing done. And it was something that was really simple. And it was like, okay, cool. We have plenty of time to work on it. But it was like a Friday. We met these people. And then like Saturday, they're like, hey, are you working on the thing? And and we'd like to see something by like tomorrow. And I'm like, we, we never even discussed working over the week. There's plenty of time to do this. You know, like why? You know, So it just became like this this thing where you, I needed to learn how to like vet my clients in the future. Like that didn't happen to me very frequently. But every once in a while, I'll get that same kind of vibe off of somebody. And it's always been a project that, it, that it's been way more beneficial to avoid. So that's, that's kind of, uh, that's probably my worst story because it ended up where the guy like came into our studio and was like sitting over our shoulders the entire time and just wow. didn't, <laughs> it didn't work like that. So now what can you do to prevent something like that from happening in the future? Ah, man, that, that one, I don't know. It feels like it's just kind of an experience based thing. Like you have to really just, it's just a feeling it out kind of deal. And even though at that point I had been working for a long time, it's just some, for some reason I just didn't get that vibe off of there. Although on the way back from that meeting, that initial meeting, we were like, I don't know if we should really be doing this, but by then it was kind of too late. Cause it was like, we got ambushed at this meeting to basically accept, <laughs> accept this job. So yeah. Now share one best project that you worked on to date. Oh man, it's kind of hard. <laughs> best project. Well, okay. Honestly, I, I don't know about best in terms of output or, or the end product, but when I first got started, I worked at this, uh, this agency in town and it was, it was kind of a, it, it's more of a, a story of kind of like being in the trenches with somebody. So this project I, I got put on with this director and basically it was a, it was a government based project and we couldn't have this like out amongst anybody else in the company. So I was basically in my own little tiny room and it was me and this director that would like collaborate on it the entire time. It was like a six month long project. And basically we sat in this room and we just became like super friends, you know, like working on this thing. And uh, we just stayed there like really late at night. We'd end up playing like Guitar Hero because that was popular then <laughs> just to stay awake. But that was actually another time that we had a terrible thing where we basically worked all night and found out after all of these renders that the thing that we put together for the meeting in the next morning just didn't cut together well. Ouch. So that was like the probably the worst meeting I've ever had. Overall. How did that go? 
Uh, it was just, it was interesting because it was, it was for a military related thing. So the people in there were very like not joking about anything either. And, and the director of, of this thing was trying to like kind of lighten the mood a little bit, but did you have to just, do pushups? <laughs> it would have been easier. Jacks. I wish, I wish that was what we could have done, but yeah, just sitting there like, it, well, it wasn't really so much that, that like they didn't really like it so much, but we, we like were watching this thing back and it was almost like the first time we had seen it because everything had pretty much just finished rendering like an hour before this meeting. And like, we're watching that and there's just that feeling of dread because you're, you're looking at this thing. You're like, Oh, this does not work. Mm -hmm. And there's just nothing you can do about it. So that was an interesting experience. But then it turned out to be the, one of the better projects, right? Yeah. Because, because of that, like camaraderie and like kind of like working in the trenches on that with somebody. And, and I mean, to this day, even if I hear that, uh, was it, what was the big one on that fat lip by some 41 was like a huge thing in guitar hero. Then if I hear that song on the radio or anything, I'd immediately think of that guy. So. <laughs> that's funny now i'm curious to find out we get people writing to us all the time asking uh advice tips on how to price your work do you have any tips or advice for us how do you price your work um i, I pay attention a lot to chris doe and generally i find that when you price your work you're always pricing it too <laughs> too low but most of most of my stuff i do based on a project because over time i found out that i work more efficiently than a lot of other people so if i price myself like hourly or even just on a day rate like it it just doesn't work out very well for me so i try to kind of base my project rates off of a day rate like i just figure out like okay this is going to take 10 days or you know whatever and then just kind of build that in um i've taken in recently if people contact me on something and i and there's like a lot of unknowns about the project this is kind of one thing i've learned from that other experience is that I'll, I'll add like a percentage, like a 10% per unknown or something like that. So that like, if I, Ooh, if something okay. happens, I, I have that little buffer of, of space in there <laughs> just in case something goes awry. I'm curious, uh, did your YouTube generate any of work for you? I've had a couple of inquiries. I've done a couple of things, but not nothing like huge. Now, when you price your work, do you ask for like 50% off, 50% ahead of time? And then like the, the rest at the end, do you do anything like that? Yeah, generally I'll try to do 50-50, um, unless it's like something that's super short. If I know it's going to be like just a week of time or something like that, I, I usually will just bill them at the end or whatever, depending on obviously the, the relationship and how it comes across. If it's just like a random uh, like just inquiry that from somebody I have no idea, that'll definitely – I'll get a deposit up front of some sort. But if it's somebody that's like been recommended or you know from another client or whatever, then usually if it, as long as it's a shorter project, I'll just bill it at the end. Do you personally negotiate contracts or do you have somebody else who's doing that for you? Uh, I do. I, I wouldn't mind getting some representation or something at some point just because I feel like it takes a lot of time in my day to you know, build estimates and all that kind of stuff. But generally, it's just me or Seven Eye, basically. Seven Eye kind of work it together. Gotcha. Now, you're a father. You have two kids. How do you balance mm -hmm. work and personal life? Uh, pretty poorly to begin with. <laughs> me too. <laughs> it's, it's taken some time. Lately, I've actually switched my sleeping schedule because I'm like a super night owl. So like I'll, I'll, if left to my own devices and I don't have something in the morning to do or whatever, or, or I just know I have time on something, uh, my sleep schedule will eventually like loop over to where I end up just, you know, sleeping during the day or whatever. So it just becomes kind of bad. So generally in the past, I would be up to like four in the morning and then I'd get up at like nine. And then by the time I'm rolling into the studio and everything's, you know, I get going on something, it's like, you know, midday or something. So in the last couple of weeks, I've switched over to uh, going to sleep around 10-ish and waking up at 5.30. And that's actually been really good for me 
There's nothing that's distracting at the morning. I, like all those like, you know, emails from subscriptions and whatever and haven't popped into my inbox yet. I don't get on anything else. I just walk to my kitchen table, whatever. And I just sit there and I work for a little bit. My wife is with me because she's been doing that too. So it's been great. The kid, then the kids wake up. I see them in the morning and then I, you know, come out to the studio and then I'm all, I'm all set. You know, there's so. something about waking up in the morning. I don't know. I used to stay up late and then you wake up like at nine, 10 and then you feel like you already wasted so much of the day. And then you feel this, this guilt and shame that comes over you. That's why I, I, I went back to the mornings because there's something about just waking up before everybody else. You come outside and it's still cool outside. You hear the birds. Mm-hmm. And there's, I don't know, man, it's a, it does something to your day. And then you, I try to go for a run in the morning and come back. It's like I try to get so much accomplished just before 9 o'clock. You know, mm-hmm. get so much accomplished. And there's this, I don't know, it just does something to you personally. You know, like, wow, I've yeah. got so much accomplished and it's just uh, 9 o'clock. So. Definitely. The other day it was like 1.30 and I feel like I got like the same amount of time that it would normally take me to get to like 6 o'clock or whatever by the time I, you know, by the time that happened. And I was talking to a friend the other day and it's actually, he, he gave me an insight into that. I was like, it just feels like your day is so much longer. He's like, well, it's probably because if you start later, you're like rushing to get things done before, you know, you have to go inside, the kids' so bedtime true. and all that kind of stuff. But if you start at like five in the morning, you get like 10 hours before you have to do anything else, you know? So there's, you're, you're not really feeling rushed. So I was like, oh, maybe that, that, that could be why. And I remember reading a study somewhere and don't quote me. I don't, I can't remember where it was, but they were saying how if you stay up too late and then wake up late, you're more prone to depression and stuff like that. So that's why I switched. And it's so true. Like, I think it's mainly because we are just so hard on ourselves. Like, wow, I just feel like I just wasted the whole day. You know, you woke up mm-hmm. at 11, 12. So yeah, now I'm going back to the mornings and I love it, man. Yeah, definitely. What are your thoughts on higher education, man? Is this something, if, for example, you have kids now, right? And Mm -hmm. uh, would you want your kids to go to college or would you be open to, let's say, them go through like an online school or like the future school of motion? What are your thoughts on that? Uh, It depends on what they want to do. I mean, obviously, I think some trades you still really need to go through college. And I think even though I my college experience wasn't really like, like it wasn't exactly like a motion design school or whatever. It was basically like fine arts, like I said. So I didn't really have that kind of an education, but I still feel like I got valuable like relationships and like it was just time to experiment and like things that I learned then I can still apply now. But I would say that if you're the type of person that like is very self-driven and you can actually like focus on stuff like that, you can probably learn most of the stuff that you'd need to know without having to do that. Like pretty much everything I knew in After Effects, I didn't learn from a professor. I learned from messing around with it, wanting to do a project or something. I'm not like somebody that's going to say, oh, college isn't useful for anybody. But I, I think there are things that you learn from it that can help you, you know, just like how to communicate with other people and whatever. And it depends on how, how you were to begin with when you started. Like if you're a good student in high school and stuff, you might have a good enough foundation that you can continue on and be professional and stuff. I think that's something that people lack a lot. Like every time I see somebody's like email or something, and it's just like, it's just not worded properly or something, you know, just something is off about it. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> it's just like something that I notice, and I know other people notice, you know, obviously a lot of times that the way people are now, people are just slacking, I guess, in their communication, you know? So I feel like it used to be a lot more formal. Maybe that was more important. Now it seems to kind of be going by the wayside, but I still notice if somebody has like a well-crafted email or communication of some sort. Yeah. So. No, it's in- interesting. I have a, my mentor is a, is an attorney and I remember I introduced him back like 10 years ago to text messaging 
And mm-hmm. I remember he used to send me text messages were like real formal, like dear Vladimir. <laughs> <laughs> and now it's totally opposite. So I think the text messaging world is what ruined formal emails. Yeah. And he was actually complaining that he's a partner in a law firm that he was saying how nowadays the lawyers don't write very well either. So it's just like uh-huh. one liners. And speaking of email and uh, Chris Doe from the future, he, uh, I remember he was he sent me a few emails and they were like one liners all lowercase. That's how I know it's it's Chris Dope. That's usually <laughs> how he responds because I'm sure he got like he, he gets thousands of emails every single day. So he's just quick one liner. Yeah. But anyway, what advice would you give to someone who is now graduating from high school and someone who is graduating from college? I would say if you're if you're graduating from high school, you should basically try to like take the time to figure out what you want to do. Um, especially if it's in motion or whatever, there's like a lot of different things that you could do and just try to like feel out what it is that actually interests you. As far as graduating college, I would say you just need to get your stuff out there. If you're not working, just work on something because you still can build a portfolio without having to actually have client work or anything like that. If somebody sends like a reel to me or whatever, I don't care if you actually did a spot for Nike or whatever, you know, I just want to see that you could you know, like the work that you have is of that quality. Now, curious to find out for this question, what are you not good at? <laughs> There's a lot of a lot of things I'm not good at. I think I think the main thing I'm not good at, which is which would sound kind of funny because we only really view other people's lives through the Internet or whatever anymore. So it probably seems like I'm super productive and I'm like always on something. But I feel like I'm the biggest like slacker as far as something goes. Changing my my schedule around has helped that tremendously. So this last couple of weeks, I've been way better at that. But before, like I wouldn't roll into the studio until like nine or even like 10, 11 by the time it'd be like, you know, noon or lunch by the time I'm actually like working on something. And then I'd end up working, you know, later into the day and whatever. So I feel like I could be better at getting on things. Hey, you and me both, man. I'm the same <laughs> I used to be like a huge procrastinator back in the day, like even more so than, than now. <laughs> No, I can relate to that. And it's, you know, I think we are our worst critics. We may not be as bad as we think we are, but -hmm. because we set this high standard for ourselves and we always try to mean it. And if we don't, then we we're so hard on ourselves. Maybe it's just me, but that's that's uh, usually the same cycle for me. I go through this Mm -hmm. all the time. But then (laughs) then I pick myself up and start creating stuff again. Then I slack off and the cycle never ends. I think it's also part of like the creative life. You can't be creative all the time. Right. You know, like you could you could force yourself to make stuff, but sometimes it's better to just step away. And then, you know, like there's I mean, obviously that as soon as you clear your mind, you know, like you you come up with a solution. It's just like how everything I, I feel like it, it goes and creative creativity wise. No, I totally agree with that. Now, share one online resource that you find helpful. YouTube probably is a, is a good one. That's obviously. a great one. I mean, just because you can learn pretty much anything. You're like, oh, I need to fix like this toilet or I got you know, mm-hmm. something's wrong with my car. You can go find like whatever. <laughs> As far as other stuff goes, I mean, obviously, like, you know, video copilot and all those kind of things like Grayscale Gorilla, all, just all of the resources out there for like different people to check out. What about books? Do you read books? Uh, I haven't read books in a while, <laughs> mostly because I've just been super busy. I tend to like, so I don't know, maybe I have like some sort of ADD or something, but when I read stuff, I tend to like zone off and start thinking about something else completely, <laughs> which is nice, I guess, because I, I start thinking about other things I had forgotten about or whatever. But, uh, so then I ended up having to read over and over and over again. So that's been, so, <laughs> so that's kind of terrible for me. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm kind of, uh, I'm, I'm very like libertarian. So I kind of like tend to read like, uh, just like Ayn Rand or, you know, George Orwell, stuff like that. 
Cool. Are you a Ron Paul supporter? Uh, yeah, I, I voted. Did I vote? I think he was out by the time he actually got to my primary. I'm a huge Ron Paul supporter. Uh, I used to yeah. used to vote for him all the time, or vote back when he was. I just loved his ideas. The guy is great. I think we even went to one of his rallies. It was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. But anyway, that's a whole another. That's another conversation <laughs> for another day. Now, definitely. Uh, what are you most excited about today? Oh man, just the like availability of tools. I just feel like, especially after a couple of years ago when Adobe switched over to like their, uh, you know, pricing that everybody seemed to hate for some reason. I thought that was like the greatest thing ever because it made it just easier to get into stuff. Just all of that, like just the availability of that and that people are building new stuff like AE scripts and all that kind of stuff where people just build things. It's like, oh, well, this doesn't exist in this program. Oh, well, let's just build it. So I, I think that's kind of helped me a lot. It's helped me to speed up on things. And that's kind of what I try to build for other people too, so that they can work faster. Cause you know, we have these computers and the whole idea of it was that we were supposed to be able to like, you know, push off our work and like, Oh, let's let the computer do it. You know? And like sometimes that doesn't happen, although it could. So I try to like help do that. And I think a lot of people are jumping on that kind of a bandwagon. So now how can people get in touch with you? Twitter at workbench. I think it's underscore TV. All of my things are because obviously Workbench is a like super popular thing or whatever. Like they're all just different like underscores or like right. <laughs> Workbench no space TV or whatever, you know. So, but that's probably the best one, Twitter. All right, Joe. Well, listen, thank you so much for your time, man. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Joe Clay. Make sure to check out Workbench.tv. Our expressions course is now live. It has been live for a little over a month. So check it out at ucromedia.com slash expressions. All the links and resources mentioned in this episode are also available on our website at ucromedia.com slash 23. Don't forget to join our online mentoring group on Facebook. Simply go to ucromedia.com slash community. We have well over 2,000 people in this group. It is a great online resource for those of you trying to grow. And it's absolutely free. Thank you so much for joining me on the journey of this podcast. I appreciate you and I look forward to serving you in the next episode of the Ecomedia Podcast. Bye-bye.